It's Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. And as we continue on our journey of consecrating our lives to Jesus Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we have Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster with us today. Well, thanks for joining us here today. We are reading the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration by Father Michael Gately, who's one of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception up at the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Father Gately's written this wonderful book for busy people like us, and we are gathered here today to read through just two pages a day in the book and learn more about four great saints who were devoted to Mary, and how their devotion can help us in our life to become consecrated to Jesus through Mary. Each day, we will be reading about one of the Marian giants. We have St. Louis de Montfort, St. Maximilian Kolbe, Blessed Mother Teresa, and St. Pope John Paul II. As we read each day and learn about each of these saints and their devotion to Mary, we will be preparing to consecrate ourselves to Jesus through Mary on the Marian Feast Day at the end of the 33 days. We're excited that you're here and joining us, and let's begin. On day seven, we're learning about a quick, easy, and secure way to holiness. For the last two days, we've learned about some beautiful benefits of being consecrated to Jesus through Mary, benefits both to ourselves and to those who are closest to us. Today, on this final day of meditation on the teaching of St. Louis, we're going to focus on other benefits of Marian consecration. We're going to learn about how Marian consecration is a quick, easy, and secure way to holiness. As we read about this, we should keep in mind that the gift of these benefits doesn't entitle us to kick back and take it easy. This would be self-love. That is what St. Louis rebuked during yesterday's readings. Rather, when we see God's generosity in giving us such a great gift as Marian consecration, we should strive all the more ardently to live it out and grow in holiness. Well, let's start with the quick and easy part. The way of consecration to Jesus through Mary is a quick and easy way to holiness. And what is holiness? Julie, it's dying to self, and this is definitely not easy. Not easy. But still, Marian consecration is a relatively quick and easy way along a path that by its nature isn't easy and often takes a long time. St. Louis introduces this way as follows. As there are secrets of nature by which natural operations are performed more easily in a short time and at little cost, so also are there secrets in the order of grace by which supernatural operations such as ridding ourselves of self, filling ourselves with God, and becoming perfect are performed more easily. Now, Mary Beth, with your physical therapy background, you've got to have some examples of that, secrets of nature by which natural operations are performed more easily. God is so good. I mean, he gives us the opportunity to learn through our physical body so much about the supernatural. Um, Secrets of nature, the body moves efficiently in certain positions. Um, It becomes effortless. And so it's true of the natural order. I mean, if we follow God's plan, things are so much easier doing it his way. So how do we follow this quick and easy way? Well, by giving ourselves to Jesus through Mary, as we're learning. Mary will always lead us to Jesus and makes that road to holiness quick and easy, even though she doesn't always take away all of our crosses. In fact, those who are particularly beloved by Mary often might seem to have more crosses than others, but Mary makes those crosses sweet and light. Okay, red light. Uh, Mary, when you have 
particular devotion to Mary, you're going to have more crosses. So uh, that scares me. Uh, Joy, Mary, I mean, that can sound like we're giving ourselves to Mary, and then all of a sudden we're going to start having more problems. Well, I think the first thing to realize about that is in this life, we have crosses, period. Everyone does. Everyone has a share of some suffering. Everyone has illnesses. Everyone has things that don't go well. So it's really not a matter of if you're going to have crosses or not. It's going to be how do you deal with the, the crosses and who is by your side during those crosses. St. Louis de Montfort explains this beautifully in, in True Devotion. Let's take a look at his words here. It says, It is quite true that the most faithful servants of the Blessed Virgin, being also her greatest favorites, receive from her the greatest graces and favors of heaven, which are crosses. But I maintain that it is also the servants of Mary who carry these crosses with more ease, more merit, and more glory. That which would stay the progress of another a thousand times over, or perhaps would make him fall, does not once stop their steps, but rather enable them to advance, because that good mother, all full of grace and of the unction of the Holy Spirit, prepares her servants' crosses with so much maternal sweetness and pure love to make them gladly acceptable, no matter how bitter they may be in themselves, just as a person would not be able to eat unripe fruits without great effort which she could hardly keep up unless they had been preserved in sugar. That makes a lot of sense because when you look at the lives of the saints, God entrusts uh, these crosses to these mentors that we can emulate. And I think of maybe a coach or a teacher, whenever you have someone that does something really well, I know that I bring them out into the center of the group to watch them, watch their technique, because spending that extra time and watching someone struggle is very difficult, but when you watch that effortless, well, it looks effortless to us, but for them it's hard work, but they've mastered it, and I think the saints do that for us. Uh, They may look like they have more crosses and have had some really difficult situations that they've encountered, but they show us the way. They show us the right path. One thing I'd like to throw in here, too, is an example that Mary Beth and I have come across as we've been working in the new evangelization and and trying to help parishes and small groups and friends just know and love our faith better, is when we started out, I think we were kind of chickens. You know, I know I was. If I had the gumption to say to somebody, hey, would you like to come to Bible study class or would you like to listen to a CD, that really felt uncomfortable and a stretch for me. But part of what St. Louis de Montfort is saying here is that when we're with Mary, when we have this consecration, what would stay the progress of another a thousand times over and perhaps make them fall does not once stop their steps, but rather enables them to advance. And I've seen as we are doing this more and getting more comfortable with Mary as our guide and working in the new evangelization, We don't let small obstacles shut us down. The door closes, Mm -hmm. we go around back and go in the window, or we go on the rooftop, (laughs) or whatever it takes. (laughs) Absolutely. St. Louis goes on to say that we make more progress in a brief period of submission to and dependence on Mary than in a whole years of following our own will and relying upon ourselves. By this practice, faithfully observed, 
You will give Jesus more glory in a month than by any other practice, however difficult in many years. The true devotees of Mary have such facility in carrying the yoke of Jesus Christ that they feel almost nothing of its weight. And we have to remember, when we're under the yoke of Christ, a yoke is meant for two oxen, right? So Mm -hmm. if you imagine a yoke with two oxen under it, we're one, Jesus is the other. So when we're under that yoke, the reason we can say, what Christ can say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light in the gospel, is that he is bearing the great weight of that. And all of this reminds me that we really have to give up our self-sufficiency. Each of us can do a lot in our own strength. We might be in a career. We might have a family. We might be really good at certain things. And that's great. God wants us to develop our talents. But at some point, we are very aware that our own strength isn't enough. And that's where we get to the place of trust. And that's where Our Lady comes alongside of us and just takes us on a whole new vista of opportunity and availability and beauty that we would never arrive at just relying on our own self. And what's interesting to think of is that when we move from childhood to adulthood, in in the world we're moving to more independence. But isn't it funny, have you ever thought about it, that as we get older we actually need to become more dependent Um, As we leave our homes as teenagers, I'm getting ready to send off my first child to college and we're teaching her how to be independent, you know, write a checkbook and all that. But actually, she's leaving the realm of being uh, independent um, in one way, but more dependent now on God Mm -hmm. instead of her parents for her faith. So the way of Marian consecration truly is quick and easy, relatively speaking. As St. Louis says elsewhere, it's like the difference between a sculptor who makes a statue through long weeks of hard labor, hammering away with a chisel, and another artist who makes the same statue quickly and easily by using a mold. Mary is the mold that forms us most perfectly, quickly, and easy into other images of Christ. This is such a perfect analogy, Mary. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. It reminds me of a story that I read about uh, Michelangelo's masterpiece of David. He actually was given a piece of flawed marble that another artist had started but had given up. If you've ever been to Florence and stare at that great statue, can you imagine having to recreate that without a mold? Well, now let's close these reflections on the wonderful benefits of Marian consecration by letting St. Louis describe how this way is also a secure path, meaning that as we walk it, we're particularly protected from and defended against evil. Mary puts herself around her true children and accompanies them like an army in battle array. Shall a man who has an army of a 100,000 soldiers around him fear his enemies? A faithful servant of Mary, surrounded by her protection, has still less to fear. This good mother would rather dispatch battalions of millions of angels to assist one of her servants than that it be said that a faithful servant of Mary, who trusted in her, had had to succumb to the malice, the number, and the vehemence of his enemies. Battalions of millions of angels... 
That's mind-boggling, and I think, hopefully, God willing, when we are all enjoying the bliss of heaven, that we will be able to see just how many angels have been surrounding us on our earthly journey. Let's close out with today's prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, help me to praise you for such a quick, easy, and secure path to holiness. Amen. Amen. Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. Guests today, Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster. We are, we are working together to prepare our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls to consecrate to Jesus Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary with the 33 Days to Morning Glory program. If you would like to get your hands on the materials that we're using for this retreat, you can visit 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We're now in the Retreat Companion looking at the questions for Day 7, and the first question that we see is an essential part of growing in holiness involves dying to self. This is not an easy task. After all, self-preservation is deeply ingrained in all of us. To help us die to self, we are called to bear our daily crosses. Although we often complain about them, St. Louis says that crosses are the greatest graces and favors of heaven. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He also says in John's gospel, chapter 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. We must depend on supernatural help for bearing the crosses in our life. Do you have a short list of crosses or a long one? What are some of the crosses you've faced in your life and the blessings? Yes, as the saints remind us, crosses are also blessings. I do have to share, I think, probably one of the most transforming crosses for me. When I was 37 years old, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And at that time, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I was pregnant with our third child. He ended up dying six months later. So at 38, I was a widow. And it's not an overnight thing. I didn't know a lot about my faith. I think I shared with you on a previous uh, podcast that I was probably not tuned into the station. The only thing I did know was trust. I knew that I couldn't do it myself. I was completely emptied at probably the lowest point of my life. My, my mother actually got diagnosed the day my husband, um, right before he passed away, with cancer as well. And it was the most empty, emptying abandonment that I had felt, but it's... When God picked mm-hmm. me up, I felt the arms of two people that just held me the day that uh, that all occurred, and I just felt this that I couldn't do it anything by myself, and I only just knew to um, distrust. I have a I have a similar story in that it was a loss, but it was a personal loss from within. When I was in my 20s, I'd had a major surgery and had half of my reproductive system removed, and I was told I would never have children. And every time I went to the doctor for the next eight years, they said, well, you realize, you know, this type of surgery and infection means you're probably sterile and you will never have children. And that was always my lifelong dream was to have a family and to have kids. But I accepted that cross from day one. I remember laying in the hospital bed and my mom was crying as I as I came to and I was like, mom, it's okay." I said, if God wants me to have kids, I will. And if not, I said, there are some amazing kids that are waiting for me to adopt them. 
And I accepted that cross and I bore that cross for eight years. And I believe it was because of my submission to his will, whatever it was, I would accept it, that that cross was, first of all, easy to bear. And I have four amazing kids. Wow. Mary, what gave you that internal fortitude at that moment when you were laying in that hospital bed? You know, I don't even know, because as far as my faith walk, I would say, you know, looking back, I was a very nominal Catholic, but I always just had a very, very strong, strong faith and trust in God. It was just always there. Mm. I would imagine there are many people listening today that are in maybe in the middle or have suffered a loss, whether it's a spouse or a child or a parent, um, and, and really struggling. And that's what has driven me personally uh, when I lead groups is when I find so many people that have so much suffering and how it can be absolutely transforming to rechannel that energy towards God and know that He is the one to put all our trust and mm-hmm. all our eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important of, importance of doing a group, having some accountability as we're going through 33 Days to Morning Glory, is that we realize, first of all, we're not alone. And second of all, I think it's very easy to look at people on their outside mm-hmm. and think that they've got it all together and they don't have any problems. And it's not really until we each of us shares a little bit about what's on our insides that we can really see each other for who we are and join in that body of Christ, not only knowing what they've been through, but then giving us a chance to practice works of mercy, helping one another, and growing in grace and faith ourselves. Well, you know, once you have those kids, those crosses don't stop. That reminds me of another story. We've, we've always been very active in the church, and I'm sure a lot of people look at my family and think, wow, what great kids, you know, what awesome family. But we, too, have our crosses. You can't judge a book by its cover. I mean, one of my kids in particular has brought some very difficult crosses upon, upon me and, and the family as a whole. And there's been days where I've just, I've just sat in church and just cried. But we still persevere. As mothers, we do persevere. And as mothers, I've heard the saying, we're only as happy as our least happy child. And mm-hmm. isn't that true? Wait, wait, say that one again. I we're, like that. We're only as happy as our least happy <laughs> child. When one of our children is facing a problem or a trial, if all the other kids are doing great and wonderful, as a mother, our heart goes to yes. that one who's suffering. And and what do we have? Fifteen kids between all of us. So it just depends what day of the right, week right. which child it is. And that's how God We also have to remember too that in that we are modeling Mary in this consecration. We are carrying those crosses with our kids. We're helping to lighten their yoke. And that's what one of the comments was in the reading was the crosses are always going to be there, but love strengthens each other and gives us the graces we need when we come alongside each other. And that's a beautiful example of how Mary Mm -hmm. comes alongside each of us. Let's move on to question two, ladies. Have you ever heard the phrase to offer up something either for another person or for some special intentions? What was your internal response? Did you ask for the grace you needed to do this? How will Marian consecration help you with this aspect of your spiritual efforts? Many of us who grew up Catholic might have heard that phrase quite a bit, offer it up. And maybe even flippantly, you know, sometimes our parents might have said, ah, offer it up, you know, quit crying, (laughs) offer it up. 
those of us who are converts and did not grow up in the Catholic faith might not have ever heard that because the idea that you can offer up your suffering is a very Catholic concept. And we need to look at the Bible at Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, because this is going to give us a verse that really lets us unpack what does that mean to offer up. And as I read that, the, the verses in Colossians 1, 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. How can St. Paul write that? How can mm-hmm. St. Paul write that he rejoices in his suffering for your sake and is filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Could there be anything lacking in the sufferings of Christ? I read a document of John Paul II's uh, his monumental encyclical on the meaning of human suffering, and he gives us just an insight that we get the opportunity to have a particle. Jesus doesn't want it all to be him. He wants to unite his, uh, him with us and gives us that opportunity to join our suffering with his in the role of salvation. And I think the last sentence of Colossians one twenty four really highlights that, Mary Beth, exactly what you're saying. Christ is the head, and we are the body. So it's not that Christ's suffering lacks anything, It's that he, as the head, has suffered, and so he wants us as his body to enter into that because his suffering redeemed the world. His suffering on Good Friday paved the way to salvation for all of us. And so... I like to say, Christ didn't suffer and die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. He suffered and died on the cross so we would know how to. He is that example to us. That's exactly right. And who stood at the foot of that cross? Our Lady. Mary. Our Lady. And that's exactly her role. That's what we're learning about as we're diving into Marian consecration. That is her role. She is at the foot of every one of our crosses standing. Do you know how hard it would be to stand there when your son was being brutally tortured and murdered? And she's there with us, and I love the visual of her wrapping her mantle, her her cape around us, and just putting her protective covering over us as we go through the trials and battles and sufferings of life. And that's what Marian consecration does. We are binding ourselves with Mary, as Gately has pointed out um, many times, is that oftentimes, even though we have the Holy Spirit inside us, maybe if we've been baptized and confirmed, if we're Catholics, but we can bound up that Holy Spirit and in, in a negative way. In a negative way, and don't don't allow it to freely move within us. And by unleashing it with the Marian consecration, we uh, allow it to flow in and through us, so that we can work and be instruments and help others encountering people just every moment. Like you walk outside, you go to the supermarket. I mean, you you encounter people all the time that are uh, have are in difficulty or, or need our help, yeah. need our need our love. So I love that double meaning of the word bind. We bind ourselves to Mary and and come under her mantle as her children. And in doing so, we unbind the power of the Holy Spirit in us to make us more capable, more able to have that grace in our lives to do the will of God more perfectly each day. Can you believe we've almost completed the first week of preparation 
for Marian Consecration here on Real Life Radio. We are using Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's a do-it-yourself retreat and the retreat companion. You can get these materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers, 33daystomorningglory.com. We will be right back with questions three and four with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster on Real Life Radio. Welcome back to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. My guests today are Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster. We are reviewing the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. Actually, we're reading the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory by Father Michael Gately. It sounds pretty conversational. We are, we are injecting some of our own thoughts along the way. And then we're using the Retreat Companion written by Carol R. Younger. You can get all of these materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. If you are doing this in a small group in your community parish or even online, you can also get a DVD series that goes along with it where you have a weekly meeting where you discuss your weekly preparations. Question number three in our retreat companion says, St. Louis describes making a statue from a mold as being much quicker than actually carving it. Imagine being poured into the mold of Mary. Think of being enveloped by her love of God, her happiness in doing God's will, her prayers before the throne of God, her close relationship to Jesus. Describe your longing to be a part of Mary's virginal and maternal holiness. I really relate to this question, Mary, that longing to be like Mary and with Mary. And yet I'm so aware every day, how far I have to go. And and that's why this consecration really means a lot to me because I want to grow in that closeness. And I feel like in a lot of ways I'm limited and I don't know how, but I know that she's going to guide me along the right path. And I love that word or that idea of being poured into a mold. Recently, one of my sons uh, broke and lost his retainer. And we had to go back to the orthodontist, which we've already paid significant <laughs> funds to, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> get a new one. And, and how do they do that for this retainer? They make an impression. They make a mold so that we can get his teeth completely nice mm-hmm. and, and uh, straight. And so that was really fresh in my mind as I was thinking about, you know, well, how can I be molded? If I'm hard as a rock... I am not going to be molded. I'm going to have to be chiseled, and that just sounds like it hurts. But if I'm soft and supple and open to obedience to God through Mary, that is how we can be molded. And describing your longing, that has changed for me over the years. My birth name is actually Mary Elizabeth, and I remembered asking my mother when I was about eight or nine, I said, Mom, why did you give me this long name. That was my first name. And combined with my last name, it was like 30 letters. And I really rejected the name Mary for so long. I would correct people and it turned into behaviors in adulthood where somebody would call me Mary and I'd say, I'm not Mary. And I've been called Mary Beth. But and now, you even go by the initials MB. I do. I've shortened it even more. But it's just been through this consecration how I've really embraced my name and, and just what a gift. My mother 
said that she gave it to me so that I could have all the help I could get. And it's been so prophetic because I need Mary's help. And just knowing that I carry her name, it has put that longing in me, which I don't think I had before. I I just don't believe I had it. It makes me wonder, too, if that isn't where my faith came from when I was young and being told I'd never have children if it wasn't Mary the whole time. And you have that privilege of the first name mm-hmm. as well. And and my confirmation name is Maria, mm-hmm. or a form of Mary. So it's interesting, as we look back in the details of our lives, how many traces we can see of God's handiwork that maybe didn't make sense all at once, but as we get down the road a little bit farther and have some hindsight, completely makes sense and, and gives us a lot of guidance as to how we got to where we're at. We are on the final question of day seven of our retreat. It's about security. We all look for it in daily life. We use house alarms, car alarms, change our online passwords, and monitor our credit card statements for fraudulent charges. Some carry licensed weapons. Others hire bodyguards. Some buy expensive security software. All this to protect physical life and possessions. What about Marian consecration gives you the most comfort and security? Talk to Mary about this and record your conversations. If I have to remember one more password, I think I'm going to scream. I can't even keep track of any of them. I I just laugh at that question. But what's interesting is that we have all these things to make everything more secure. And I think we're living in a culture that is less secure Mm -hmm. than ever before. And now we have this opportunity. I think Mary is moving strong, not only um, in our country, but throughout the world as she envelops us and and gives us that sense of security. Because again, if you have lost your earthly mother or that relationship has not been uh, a functional relationship, Mary gives us the path and, and gives us that security that only she can give to lead us to her son. Well, when you were talking about security, the first thing that popped into my mind is job security. How many of our parents worked for the same company for 50 Mm -hmm. years and retired with a full pension and and that kind of thing? And in today's world, you're lucky to have a job and keep working. It's something that you actually enjoy or like, and the job security is just not there. And that has been something, and even those of us who are employed or you know, my husband owns his own business. He doesn't get fired, but he doesn't always mm-hmm. get paid. So the security there is really lacking. And so those circumstances in, in my life have really made me lean on our Lord in a, in a much more deeper way. And Our Lady, I think, just really walks alongside us as we're in these insecure times and without true security to uh, bring us face-to-face to her son, who is the only security that we have. Mary, do you have some of this in, in your life? Do you have bodyguards and uh, <laughs> licensed weapons? My husband wants to get a licensed weapon. I'm like, we don't need that. <laughs> we've, we've got our lady. We don't need a gun. <laughs> and even talking to Mary about this, that sentence right at the end of that question, that's something also that I don't think as Catholics, even though we honor Mary, and Mary's in our language, actually talking to her, a relationship, just like with Jesus, just being able to converse as a friend, how often that we just kind of call upon them when we need something, versus where we actually are 
just letting them know everything we're feeling, uh, wh- how much we, th- we thank them and praise them for the work that they're doing in our life. That's a great reminder to be doing that daily, you know, to carve out that prayer time that we all need. It's our lifeline. And to really be sharing our hearts, not just our list of complaints and the things that aren't going well or the, the laundry list of things, do this, do that for us that we all need. We have so many things that in this world are insecure. There's so much trouble in our global world right now. The, the, the bad news is always coming in. And so we know we're never going to be in a place of total security in this life. Our, our goal is heaven and the eternal beatitude that we will someday be with our Lord and our Lady and all the saints in heaven. And in the meantime, we do what we can to keep our homes secure, our, our children safe, and yet we know that that is not something we can actually achieve. And there's a great song, if any of you have heard of the Catholic singer-songwriter uh, Marie Ballette, she's got a song called Everything Changes, and one of the lines that she has in there is about raising her own children, where she says, I used to you know, put them in car seats and helmets and try to keep them from danger when they were young, and now her children are teenagers and young adults, and she says, and now they hunt and use guns and power <laughs> tools, and, and one's even in the Army. And I just love that line because it shows how the goal isn't, you know, we want to do what we can to keep our loved mm-hmm. ones safe, but at some point they're going to go out. And so it's more a ma- uh, the idea of training them not to be dependent on us, as Mary Beth said earlier, but to be dependent on our Lord and, and just move that dependence so that whatever they face, they'll have that kind of security. You know, I know that at day seven, I don't know about the two of you, but I feel really good that we've just finished seven days together. I often find at this point, especially when uh, I've worked with patients or just anybody that's going through exercise, that around this time you start to kind of mm-hmm. lose focus and it is so Nice to know that every day that I have some accountability with the two of you and then everyone that's listening that we cannot, we stay the course and we don't lose our focus on what we're doing. And we're glad to have you part of our group. And if you're enjoying our online conversation here, I really encourage you as you're going through the consecration to gather some of your live friends, you know, Mm -hmm. gather some people together in your neck of the woods at your parish, your neighborhood, and and continue on this journey, taking it forward out into the highways and byways of, of where you are in your life. I would also like to invite you, if you have any comments during this 33-day retreat, you can go to 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33, the number is 33daystomorningglory.com. But it's a blog site. There are opportunities at that place where if you want to chime in, put your two cents out there, we would love to hear from you. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. And that wraps up day seven all four questions and our and our retreat readings from Father Michael Gately. I also want to remind you that this is Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, and Real Life Radio is a listener-supported radio network. We would love to have you join our family. 
Visit realliferadio.com, click the Care to Share program, and find out how you can help support this ministry. And that wraps up our first week. We will see you here tomorrow as we start week two of 33 Days to Morning Glory with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. After the break, we will be reviewing St. Louis de Montfort's spirituality. Stay tuned. Radio's Living Witnesses as we prepare our hearts, mind, body, and souls to consecrate to Jesus Christ through Our Lady. If you've enjoyed the Hail Mary that we've been using this week, it's being sung by Billy Terrasio. Unfortunately, I don't know where to find it online, but I will tell you that she's an attorney. She's got a website called MyModernLaw.com, and it looks like she's in Arizona. So thank you to Billy for your contribution to the great Catholic music that we have. Today for our Angelus, we are going to have the version of it that was sung by Marie Ballad. Very beautiful. Let's take a moment now and pray. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. According to thy word Hail Mary, full of grace The Lord is with thee Blessed art thou among women And blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's have a review of our meditation questions for today. Question number one, do you have a short list of crosses or a long one? Write out a list of crosses and blessings. And as the saints remind us, crosses are also blessings. How have you asked for supernatural help to carry these crosses? And question number two, have you ever heard of the phrase, offer it up? What was your internal response? Did you ask for the grace you need to do this? How will Marian consecration help you with this aspect of your spiritual efforts? Thank you. 
let's let's review and ponder questions three and four for day seven of this Marian consecration. Describe your longing to be a part of Mary's virginal and maternal holiness. Number four, to ponder today, what about Marian consecration gives you the most comfort and security? Talk to Mary about this. Remember, if you'd like to meditate on the rest of the prayers from St. Louis de Montfort, you can find them at fisheaters.com. Having just completed seven days of preparation for total consecration to Jesus through Mary, an entire week of 33 days is now part of your spiritual journey with Mary to God. Give God thanks for this past week and a short prayer of gratitude for the thoughts, events, and personal support of your friends in the small group who accompany you on this pilgrimage. If you're making this retreat alone, mention those among your family and friends who you know pray for you. 
You can also go to 33daystomorningglory.com and share your thoughts in the comments of the blog. And that wraps up our first week. Great job for sticking it out. We'll see you back here tomorrow with Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.